If you have a Bible, why don't you turn to Ephesians 4? That's where we're going to start uh, this morning. If we haven't met and you're visiting, hello, welcome. I'm Jose, and we're going to finish up a seven-week series called Follow Me uh, this morning. So as you look at Ephesians 4, I'll uh, pray, and we'll jump right in. Lord, uh, we do thank you. We thank you for life. We thank you for another chance to worship you. Thank you for songs that really connect with what we're thinking and feeling And thank you for the ability to have a band here to help us not just sing songs that go into thin space. But Lord, these songs represent how we feel about you and what we want to do in light of you. So now, God, as we look at the scriptures, help us to see what's right and what's good and what's true so that we'll not just see it, but know it and believe it and live it out. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So week seven in a series called Follow Me. And in my hands, I have a what? What do I have? Hinge. Very good. Hinge. Lots of colors. Given the current schematics, I thought this was appropriate. But a hinge. And what is a hinge? You don't think about it. Um, how many of you had something to eat this morning? You went into the fridge, right? It was, it was helpful to open that door because of a hinge. If you got in a car, you don't think about it. You just you know, you open the door, or maybe with a newer car, you open the, whatever, you, you know, however door you have, you, it's, it's a hinge. You came in here, you pull open the door. You don't think about a hinge, but this is connected to both sides and, and makes movement possible, okay? Welcome to Home Depot. We're going to do a class on how, anyway, no. Uh, a hinge, though, a hinge is real important. And I think today, if we'll take it seriously, could be, a hinge. I'm calling you to do something and go somewhere, right? Just letting you know at the beginning. I want us to listen to Ephesians 4, and then I want us to do something about it. Seven weeks we've been looking at what it means to follow the way of Jesus. We looked at what faith in Jesus is like. We looked at church, the importance of a community. We've looked at the Bible, God's word to us. We've looked at the Holy Spirit, God's presence that opens our minds to God's words. Uh, we've, we've looked at what it means to be a witness, that you and I are Jesus' representatives to the world. We looked at prayer, talking, and listening. We've done all of those things, and today we want to look at the future. If you got the book, and it's still out there, uh, some copies that are left uh, called uh, Good News Today and Tomorrow, this series is based on this little thin short book that is hopefully a guide for you to grow in your faith. The final chapter is about the future. What does God have for your future? And the title of that chapter is the future. The best is yet to come. Why? It's all because of a hinge. There's, there's the past and then there's the future. There's the who you were and who you're called to be. There's where you are now and where God has you going. And if you notice if, if you just make the most of what God's given, which is right in the middle, just see that, right in the middle, grounded to both sides, you and I can move forward in Jesus. Uh, how do we live in light of our calling? If, if we've been given a community, we've been given God's word, we've been given God's spirit, we've been given prayer, God's presence, we've been given God's mission. If we've been given all of these things, How do we step in and move? This is where Ephesians 4 is going to help us. Ephesians 4 verse 1. We're just going to look at one verse and some around it, but we're going to focus and drill on this one. It says in Ephesians 4 1, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life that's worthy of the calling that you've 
received. I want you just to say that with me. Let's just say it out loud together. I think we're going to eventually get the slide on the screen. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Um, what does it mean? This verse is actually a hinge. What, uh, if you've ever read Paul's letters, uh, and if you haven't, I would encourage you to read them. They almost do the same thing. In the beginning of Paul's letters, he always starts with God. God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And he always starts his letters by reminding the community of who God is and what God has done and what God is about and how God has come to you. Every single letter, it starts with God and his work, but then he hinges. Now, in Ephesians, if you've ever looked at it, it's funny. Uh, when, when Paul writes a letter, he's not writing with chapters and verses, which would be very weird, you know. Uh, they, they were added a, lot, a thousand years later because as people began to read the Bible and didn't know exactly where to go, they added these chapters and verses. So we could say, go to Ephesians 4, and you're like, I don't know where that is. It's just a helpful tool. But when he writes the letter, interestingly enough, chapters 1, 2, and 3 hinge 4 verse 1 and then the rest of four, five, and six. Now, a couple of things that are going to make reading this whole letter easy. Two things, and the hinge is in the middle. The first thing, Rome, uh, I'm sorry, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, is remember who you are. I want you to write that down. Just remember who you are. The first part of his letter, and we won't read it all this morning. I encourage you this week to read it. It doesn't take very long. Is You need to remember who you are. Paul, what has he told them so far? I'm going to recap by putting just a few verses on, on the screen, I think. But if not, just pretend that they're there, okay? Um, Ephesians 1 verse 4. I'll, I'll just read it. Just listen up. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He chose us. That's what he starts with. That's chapter 1 verse 4. Chapter 1 verse 7. In God, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. So God chose us and God has redeemed us. That's he bought us back. If you were in slavery, you could buy your slave out by paying the price. So God chose. When I see you, I know what's going on in your future. I made you to live like me, says God. I created you for this purpose. And here's what's going to happen. Because you're not following me, I'm going to buy you back. And that's why Jesus came. Verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 13. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Back in the day, you would seal a letter with wax and put your stamp, your family crest or your roll, and you would seal it. It's locked in. That letter is true and it's for me. And you and I have been given the seal of God the very presence of God, the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, verse 19. You're no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. At one point, you and I were far from God because he loved us. He chose to make us blameless, to give us forgiveness of sin and Jesus, give us the Holy Spirit. And now, you and I are a part of God's family. We're not outsiders if God had a house in Tennisborn, you would live in it. If God built a house in the Portland metro area, you wouldn't just like, ding dong, I hope they let me in. You would have a place in the house. 
You'd be a member of it. And because you're a part of God's family, God's church, you are, you are actually in God's household. So Ephesians 1 to 3 is all about you and I remembering who we are. And why does he have to remind them? It's because we forget, don't we? Let's not kid ourselves. When you get the mail, if your bills come in the mail, maybe it's all E. You, when you get it in, in an email, when you get it in a text, when you, you forget what you have when you realize how quickly it's going to go out the door, don't you? Like, I mean, the second, if you look at just a stack of bills and you could forget like, okay, I got money to pay those. Because you look at them like, wow, they're bigger and bigger and bigger. And you forget the abundance of what you've been given. When you and I, when we get our bills, we forget that we're rich. We, we are. Not, not that everyone has so much just expendable resources. Things may be financially tight for you. But you're living on more than $1 a day. Okay. You and I are living on more than $1 a day, which is much of the world. So in light of our bills, we can forget how wealthy and rich that we are. In light of the world that we live in, you can forget that you belong to God. And so he reminds them, here's who you are. And then chapter 4, verse 1, it, it hinges on what we're going to do. But before he gets there, just look at the end of chapter 3, if you have your Bible. Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. When he thinks about all that we are in Jesus, this is how he, he just, he spills this out. I could see him, I, I wasn't there, obviously, but when Paul writes, sometimes he writes with his own hand. Most of the time, he just talks, and he has, he has a scribe who writes down what he's saying. And then they would read it and review it. No, 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 that's not exactly what I said. And then the final letter gets shipped out. But somehow, when he thinks in the middle of, of all that God has done, he, he says these words. Now, to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work in us. To him, God, be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. I know Paul waved his hands when he got at that one. You can't just like forever and ever, you know, amen. I think that as a prisoner in the Lord, He's in the middle of the letter. He doesn't wait till the end. When he has just spilled out, he's thought about it. It's like, I can't write everything because parchment paper is super expensive. I'm going to summarize what I know about God. And when he spills it out, and he's, I'm sure he said it out, he says, now write this down. Now to God be glory forever and ever. Amen. And he shakes his hand and he's got a shackle. And, you know, I don't know if that's exactly how it happened. But he is in jail. As a prisoner of the Lord, he is worshiping God. Why? He knows who he is. And that is a good word to, to us today. No matter what we're going through, no matter how hard life is. And, you know, I'm following Jesus, but life's so hard. Yes, it is. No guarantee of an easy life. Follow me, says Jesus. His life ends on a cross and a tomb. He had done nothing wrong. He was totally misunderstood. All of his followers leave him and he dies. All because he knew God's purposes. And so even though life is hard, you can and I can live with absolute abundant hope. So right in the middle, at the end of this first section where knowing who you are, he spills out in praise to God, which is a reminder that you and I ought to be the most hopeful people in the planet. 
People are filled with anxiety, and so are we. Filled with anxiety about what's going to happen in the future. We're so inundated with news, and you wonder what's going to happen in the, like the world's future. What's going to happen in the future of the economy here? What's going to happen in the future of my family? What's going to happen tomorrow for me? You and I are always thinking about the future. The question is, if you're following Jesus, are you seeing your future in light of who you already are? So I can't guarantee the details of my future, but I absolutely am sure and confident of the destination of my future. If I am in Jesus and Jesus is in me and I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, the future for me is absolutely abundantly bright because I'm going to be with God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And yeah, the next 20 years may be hard, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years may be hard. Jesus does not guarantee smooth sailing. What he guarantees is at the end of this road with his ups and downs and highs and lows, you get God forever. Now, we need to be reminded of that because sometimes my today is so overwhelmingly hard I forget who I am in Jesus, and that's why we have these letters. But that's not where it ends. It doesn't end with, this is who you are, praise Jesus, all right, goodbye. No, the letter has what? It has a hinge. Chapters 1 through 3, remember who you are. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, watch how you live now. Write that down. Watch how you live right now. Because everything that's true in verses, uh, chapters 1 through 3, now we're called to watch how we live. And the rest of the letter marks out, you're going to see it, it shifts. This is God. This is what he's done in your life. This is who he's made you to be. Praise him. And then the rest is going to be what we do. But notice the order because the order is important. Religion will, will flip it. Religion will say, any religion, if you do these things, you can become something connected to God. If you do this and that and the other, God may do and then fill in the blank. But if you don't do, God won't do. And that is not the good news. That's terrible news, especially for shortcoming people like me. What is the good news? In light of what God has done and who he's made me to be, while, while I was still in my trespasses. You know what trespassing is? Is when you're on someone else's turf, right? Like you shouldn't be there and you are illegally there. And when we were illegally trying to follow the way of Jesus apart from Jesus, trying to be good apart from God's goodness, when we were just trying to do life like God intended but not getting it right, God in his love snatched us out of that. And in faith in Jesus, now you and I are made new and we're connected to God, Holy Spirit, church. We have the word of God. We can pray. All that's true. Great. In light of that, we need to live a certain way. And so, so live a life, Ephesians 4 verse 1. Live a life worthy of your calling. The order is important. In light of who you are, God calls you to do certain things. And that's the, that's the order of every one of Paul's letters. Who you are, what you're called to do. In light of who you're called to be, now this is how you're called to live. So you're a child of God if you're in Jesus. Now, not everyone is a child of God. I love it when, when especially artists, you know, I want to give props to God. 
You know, like on uh, every award show. I just, you know, I'll give, you know, to, you know, you know, to the man. Um, now, what God, some of, uh, what God, it would be interesting to ask, okay, describe God. You know, they wouldn't do it on the interview because they give you the music and they roll the commercials. But afterwards, it's like, okay, get props to the God. Tell me about this God. It would be interesting to see what God they're talking about. But, but in light of the God that we know has been revealed in Christ Jesus, the only true and wise God, because I'm a child of God, how do I live in light of that? So Ephesians 4 verse 1, as a prisoner of the Lord, by the way, I'm walking this out too, Paul says, I urge you, therefore, he could say, I implore you, I'm begging you, I'm reminding you, I'm calling you out. Therefore, in light of all that's true, Live your life worthy of God and his calling on your life. He's already called you a son and a daughter. It's not like if you do these things, he will call. No, if, you're, if you've expressed faith in Jesus, then you are a child of God. In light of that, live like you're a child of God. What does that look like? We're only going to look at a couple of things here because all of chapters 4, 5, and 6 talk about it. And it gets into nitty gritty of your married life and your business life and your community life and your financial life. He talks about all of these practical things. I just want to highlight two. Start in verse Ephesians 4, verse 2. It says, be completely humble and gentle. Okay, I'm ready to walk off the stage because I've already failed. Live up to your calling. Your calling in Jesus. Completely humble. Like I'm moderately on my best day, decently, sometimes fractionally humble. That's on my best day. Just ask Brandon. On my worst day, I am not gentle and I'm not even half humble. Okay, if I'm humble and gentle, then God will, no, no. I am a child of God and even though I don't act like it now, I can because I have the Holy Spirit, because I have the Word of God, because I can pray, because I have a future in Jesus, I can now live like a child of God. Be completely humble, gentle, be patient. Here's a fancy one. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then he gives the reason why. There's one body. There's one Holy Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. There's one Lord, that's Jesus. One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's over all and through all and in all. And because God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are united in purpose, that's the model for you and I to live like, like God. So I am not like you, but I'm called to live in complete harmony and unity with you. Why? We all belong to Jesus. So living a life worthy of the calling is at least two things, at least two that I want to look at this morning. Living a life that's worth God's calling requires unity. Write it down. It just it requires that we remain united. We're not called to follow Jesus alone, ever, ever. We're just not called to follow Jesus alone. One baptism. Try self-baptizing. That's just weird. It's just the metaphor is totally gone. I baptize myself, and you know, and I go up and under. Here I am. Just makes no sense, right? We are we are united in Christ, whether we're united or not. 
Because that is real. Live. Here's why. Our future and God's future are on a collision course. We are every day moving closer to God's future. And so what God is saying to us is because this is where I'm taking you and you're going to be forever with me. What I don't want is when you come to be with me, you're so far from me. No, I want you to lean in and live closer because this is where you're going. It's just like getting married. You meet someone and you fall in love, right? And then you realize this is not just the person I like. This is the person I want to spend my entire life with. Ideally, I'm, I'm an idealist. Ideally, the closer that you get to your wedding day, your lives are aligning more and more, right? And then eventually you hit the bank account level of love, which gets dangerous. And like, wow, like our finances are now going to be united, which means you're taking on my debt and I'm taking on your debt. And now we're all in debt. And, <laughs> and you know, like you're, you're, would it be, would it, would it make sense is the two weeks before getting married, hey, let's, let's live as opposed to each other as possible. So that when we come at, together at the church, we'll be like really united after being really far apart. That just ma it makes no sense, right? Why, it's why it makes no sense if right before you're going to get married, hey, guys, let's get together and let's go and Let's dishonor our future wife or our current wife as much as we can so that, like, we're ready. We sowed all our wild oats because, like, so we'll be, like, ready for the shackles of marriage, man. <laughs> just, just stupid. It's just stupid. It's culturally acceptable. It's just, but do you realize how illogical that is? No, the closer I am to living life with the one I love forever and ever, I should be moving towards them. I should learn to listen. Why? Because for the rest of my life, I'm going to listen to my wife. Whether I like it or not, I'm going to listen. So to be united means I move in that direction. We're not called to live alone. Verse 2, be completely humble, gentle, patient, bear with one another in love because I'm not always going to get it right, but I need you to bear with me. And you're not going to always get it right, and I need to bear with you. I need to move in the direction of oneness. One thing that's required of us is a spirit of unity and not divisiveness. And this just happens in so many ways, and I can't even tease them out this morning. I'll, I'll give the biggest picture. In church, you know, there's really only one church in the world. It's Jesus' church. Now, there are lots of differences between, between local churches, and I will be, admit, some people who say they're a church actually aren't a church. They're just using the name, but it's not genuine. But those who are genuinely united to Jesus are my brothers and sisters and your brothers and sisters. And so what we're trying to do in the, on the small level is here in the Portland metro area, there's real intention about doing things together and hearing with one another. And I meet with a lot of the other pastors and leaders of churches why? 
Because I want to hear what God's doing in their world. I want to hear their struggles. And I want to share ours. And we want to pray together and love one another. It's why we do things like Good News Today, big outreaches together. It's why we're doing this men's breakfast uh, and, and having this outreach together in this room with churches all over the place. The ladies in November are going to be going to a conference downtown. Could do our own conference. They're going to a conference downtown to be with the ladies from all over the city and region. Together in November, we're going to call you to Beaverton and Foursquare Church where there's going to be a city wide prayer gathering. We're going to do this together. We try to do as much together, 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 together. Why? Because we are united in Jesus. But let me just tell you, that, that takes work. That takes humility. That, that means bearing with one another because some communities are like, yeah, I would never do it that way. But that's me being completely proud saying that my way is better. But rather, I'm called in Jesus to now humble myself and say, hey, that, okay, let's, let's do whatever it takes. It doesn't mean we all agree on everything. You could be united in marriage and one be a duck and one be a beaver. I don't recommend it, but you could do it. <laughs> you could do it. It's possible. In the same way, I don't have to agree on the smaller or even larger points of life, what I do need to say is if you belong to Jesus and I belong to Jesus, then we belong to each other. We're united. We're going to live together forever. We're going to worship Jesus forever. So can we choose, choose? That's the hinge. Therefore, I urge you, in light of who God is, live like him. And Jesus, we know, was completely humble and gentle and patient. He bore with everyone's idiocy. And he made every effort to keep unity. Just read the Gospels and see Jesus with his disciples. And you realize they were fractured. And he pulled them all together and said, boys, come here. Come here. You're out of line. What about you in your world then? Okay, that's the big picture. That's the churches. Okay, that's ethereal. What about you and, and unity? If you're a follower of Jesus, are you making every effort to keep peace? What about you in your home? What about you in your business? What about you in your neighborhood? Are you the person who has to be right? Are you the person who has to point out everyone's flaws? Are you the person who has to push the buttons? If you are, you're just like me, and I want to spend time with you. <laughs> Let's just not like Jesus. So we're to be the people who are in step with one another. Let me ask you an honest question. Who are you out of step with right now? Not are you out of step with someone. Who are you out of step with who loves and knows Jesus, but you're just like, no. You and I are called to live differently, and we're called to grow in relational health and unity because that's exactly what Jesus is like. Now, that's not the only area. That's just one, unity. Because of who we are, we're called to be united. But look at um, Ephesians 4, 17. I'm going to read a long passage that highlights one second thing we need to think about, and then we'll respond, because I said today's about action. It's not just about listening. It's about doing something with what we know. Uh, Ephesians 4, 17. So I tell you this, and insist on it. I love it. I insist on this while he's in jail, which is so, but he has authority from God. Insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as the non-believers in the creator God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is Gentiles. So don't think, oh, I don't live like a Gentile. I don't even know what that is. 
I insist, if you're in Jesus, you no longer live like those who don't follow Jesus in the futility of their thinking. In other words, they think they're right, but they're totally off. They're darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. If your heart, not your organ, but if your center is not centered on Jesus, you're going to come with all sorts of ways of living your life that are out of step with God's heart. And if you think that way, you live that way. As a person thinks, so they are, the Bible says. Having lost all sensitivity, in other words, they don't recognize God's watching, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed, which just knocked all of us out. Like, I'm not impure, you're greedy. Okay, well, that's included in the unpure. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and we're taught in him accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. You were taught with regard to the former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, to be created like God in true righteousness and holiness. The second thing I want us to see, and this is a hard one to live out, the unity piece, that's kind of like the it's the clarion call of our culture. You know, it's why we do the Olympics. Everyone come under the banner. You know, like unity we kind of get. That's culturally acceptable. The second one's harder. Living a life that's worth God's call requires purity. It requires purity. How do we live a life that's worthy of God's calling? You were taught about the old life and the old clothes and the new life and the new clothes. So he says, because of who you are, Change your clothes. Now, I'll illustrate. Uh, Hannah, who's part of our team and is our youth coordinator, she was married on Friday night. And it was, it was beautiful. It was like the last day of summer. It was like 80-some-odd degrees, right, in September, getting married. Just absolutely gorgeous. And so you go, you go to the wedding, and, and it just makes sense. I mean, she's, she's, um, she's in shorts and a tank top because, you know, it's, it was hot. It was 80 degrees. So you get, you know, you get married, and it was white, of course, you know. No, she's, she's wearing a beautiful dress. And, and the guys are just, you know, like they put on whatever they want, you know, jeans, holes, shorts, running pants, and one guy wears a suit. And no, it's not how it happened, no. Everyone made sense. The guys on one side, they made sense. The ladies on one side, they made sense. And the bride and groom, they made sense. Why? Everyone knows what you're going to. So you have all sorts of sets of clothes for all sorts of things, I hope, right? Like, uh, so, so you have your running gear and your exercise gear and you have your work gear and you have your home and then you have your sleeping PJ gear. You know, that day they just don't want to go anywhere. Anyone have that? I'm, I have. It's like, is it a PJ day? Heck yes, it is. You're like, we're not going anywhere. I'll shower a couple of days from now. I don't care. I'm staying home. You wear, you wear what makes sense, Right? In light of where you're going, you wear the right clothes. We all do that naturally. And so this is, he uses that, that mindset. You guys have a wardrobe and you know what's right and you know what's wrong. You know your future, which is hugely bright because the future is full of blessing. Why? Because God is in your future. You know where you're headed. So wear clothes that make sense with where you're going. So when we went to the wedding, my, my wife and I and our kids, we all thought about what we we're going to wear. And you know what? I was wearing a suit in 80 degrees, and that is not exciting. 
but it made sense because of where I'm going. And so following the way of Jesus is not always exciting, but it always makes sense. And it does require me to think about how I live. Living a life that's worthy of our calling involves purity. And knowing that you have been made a child of God, you say, well, I can't do that. That's why I don't want to follow Jesus because I, I don't want to do that. What I'm saying is you are a child of God if you're in Jesus, which means you have the Holy Spirit who is the power to live a pure life. Does it mean you always get it right? Absolutely not. Does it mean when you get it right, then God calls you his child? Absolutely no. Because you've been invited to the wedding, because you're united with Christ, because you're in him and he's in you, it only makes sense that you wear what's fitting, that you and I choose to live a life that's pleasing to God. And so, you know, I asked you, who are you out of step with? That's the unity piece. Maybe God's brought someone to mind. It could be a family member. It could be someone in this church. Frankly, I'm going to call you out. Some of you, it's someone in another church, and it was so hurtful, you left there, and you came here, which is okay. That happens. But it's not okay to keep talking about them. And it's not okay to not think about them with love because they're a child of God too. And so even if you left another local church to be a part of this local church, guess what? The local churches are united in God's true church. And so to just belittle others or just not think good about others is something we need to deal with. We need to now take off that old thinking and in Jesus put on new thinking and realize, wow, God, thank you that you united me and you. Thank you that you didn't throw me out. Thank you that you called me your child. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for thinking and feeling about your people things that are not true with who they are in you. And I need you to heal me so that I can think right. And when I think right, I'll speak right and act right. And we need to do that. So I told you today is one of those hinge days where we're calling you Anchored to what's true, what's true of you leads to how you live. And, and Jesus has made it possible. In light of God's calling, he's already called you to be his child, you can. And now when it comes to purity, we're all <laughs> in need of it. So we're all in need of, of thinking about how we live and what we wear. So this, this morning, a hinge simply helps us to open the door Calling you to follow the way of Jesus is an opportunity for you to step into who you already are in him. But sometimes what we're wearing and how we're living is out of step. So it's quite obvious to someone if you go to a wedding, if someone's inappropriately dressed. It kind of, it stands out. And in the same way, we need to be honest. Sometimes the way that we're thinking and living, it just, it doesn't make sense. So we're not called to depression in the sense of, wow, I missed my opportunity, I'm out. No, we're called to hope. He calls us back. That's why he says in the letter, therefore, I am pleading with you and urging you, you can live like a, a Jesus follower, now do it. And he can be so bold to say, I demand in the Lord that you make this your mindset. Live a united life and live a pure life. So what action is Jesus calling you to take right now? It's one thing to say, 
Well, that's cool. I, Jose, I believe that that's true. That's cool. But that's only one part, and if only one part is connected to the doorframe, you're not opening that door. It's both parts. In light of what's true, what are you called to do? Let me give you some suggestions. Some of you need to receive him. You've been going to church for a long time. You love God, sort of, and you're trying to follow his ways, but you've never actually received Jesus Christ. This morning, receive him. To those who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God, not born of human ancestry or human origin, but born of God. The good news is that he invites those who are mess-ups to be made new in him. And so he's inviting you. Will you actually follow him? Maybe that's your step. It could be, it could be being intentional about the things of God. You're not taking the Bible intentionally. You're not taking time with God, prayer, intentionally. It's haphazard. It rarely ever happens. It's hot or cold, hiss or miss. There's no discipline in your life. And maybe the action Jesus is calling you to is say, because, because this is true of you, will you now actually follow me? Will you make room in your world for me? Maybe it's to forgive someone. So much of the problems that we're facing are because of our interpersonal relationships. When relationships are out of whack, everything's out of whack. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's purity. Maybe it's time to a turn from a specific sin. We all sin in moments, but there are certain patterns that you may find that are a stronghold. They're like a chain, and you're like, no matter how far I move, that goes with me. Maybe it's time to bring that to God and bring that into light. Maybe it's a person God sent you to, and you haven't been open to speak to them about the good news of Jesus. You, you, haven't, you, you, you know the way and the truth and the life, and they're right there, and it's like you haven't made the connection that Jesus is saying, hello, I want to invade their life for the good, and I'm calling you to speak for me. Maybe, maybe that's it. I'm calling you this morning to move. Here's what we're going to do in response. Um, Ryan and the team are going to come, and we want to actually move in the direction. Hinges and doors are about moving somewhere. They're not static. They're not stiff. They flex and they move. And so I'm asking you uh, this morning to move. We're going to have a time of response. And sometimes the back end after a message is, um, is a, 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 a transition that becomes weird. Like I listen, okay, now I go on to the next thing. I'm going to ask you this morning as much as you can, stay in the moment. And when we begin to sing, uh, or they begin to sing, I should say, I'm going to invite you to move. If God's been stirring you in your heart towards something, anything I just mentioned this morning, as a response in worship, what happens with your feet starts with your mind. You don't just walk. You think about moving, and your legs move you in that direction. I'm going to invite you this morning to take action and to take a literal step as an act of worship, if God's stirring you towards one of these things, I'm gonna invite you as we're singing to get out of your seat and to use the front left and front right. If you're right here, I'm not exaggerating. The subwoofers are literally under the stage and it will be quite loud. Uh, but I'm gonna invite you as an act of worship, if God's been stirring you to take a step in the direction. If you can, you can stand, but if you can't, get on your knees. You can come over to the side where it's a little, little darker and you're not in the spotlight. You can come over here. 
and to, to make peace with God. You say, well, I want to do it in my chair. No. I think sometimes if we don't take small steps, of course you can be made right, God, in your chair. You can make me right, right with God in your car. But sometimes taking action will activate what you believe to be true. Trust me, that's how this works. That's why you walk down an aisle and commit to a person in front of people that bold act of saying, I am united with you. It matters. You don't have to have the ceremony, but the ceremony matters. I'm gonna invite you in a similar way, not as powerful, but in a similar way, to connect whatever God's doing in your heart and just get on your knees and pray. Someone may come behind you and put a hand on your shoulder and just, they're not gonna ask you any questions. Someone may just pray over you and pray God's blessing and wisdom and life over you. That's cool. Maybe someone does, maybe someone doesn't. But I invite you to respond. And so while, while the team is singing over these next two to three songs, you just slip out. And when you're done, like, when can I go back? The answer is yes. So just when, when you're done, when you've lifted that to God, and when you've given some space to hear from Him, then go back to your seat, continue to worship, and we'll end our gathering. You're like, well, how is this thing going to end? When Ryan calls us to the table, we'll pick up the bread and the cup, and as a united family, we're going to end our gathering with taking communion together to kind of seal that moment where we remember the Lord Jesus, and because of Him, all this is possible. So that's where we're going. Um, it's going to be uncomfortable until somebody walks. I'll just throw it out there, okay? So if you're, if you're knowing that, oh, this is me, no one wants to be the first person. I was like, oh, oh God. So you just be that first person, all right? And let the Holy Spirit guide the rest. All right, stand on your feet if you would. Thanks so much for listening. And now is the time to take action. Faith without action is of no use. That's James. Lord, thank you that you have been calling us to not just hear, but do. Not just know who we are, but to think and watch how we live. And now we come to you open. You already see all and you know all, and yet you still love us. So now, Lord, we want to be responsive. We want our body to match up with what our heart is feeling. And we want our tomorrow to match up with who we are in you today. So Lord, today we choose to respond to you as we take small steps of faith. God, you know our heart. Move, Lord, not just in the soul, but in the way that we live, we pray. In Jesus' beautiful name, amen. As the band sings, you can come, and I invite you to make peace with God.